When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. Fashion Unzipped, in association with Tag Heuer, Swiss avant-garde since 1860. Welcome back to Fashion Unzipped. I'm your host, Charlie Gowns Edlinton, Senior Fashion Editor at The Telegraph. For this episode, I was joined in the studio by Bryony Gordon, Telegraph columnist, award-winning author and podcaster, and Bethan Holt, Telegraph's Fashion News and Features Director, to talk all things body image. These are two women that I really admire for their honesty and both have written about their struggles with eating disorders. We talked about everything from how advertising is letting women down to feeling sized out of fashion. But before we got to that, I started by asking Bryony when she first became aware of how her body looked. Gosh, I mean, I think it was, I think it was probably when I went through puberty um, you know, I didn't think about my body before. It was just a vehicle to bump into things and climb on things with. And then suddenly it was this thing I sort of spent hours obsessing over and picking out the bits of it that I didn't like because <clears throat> I sort of felt like that was what I had to do. That That's what I had learned um, from watching my mom and her friends. And presumably my mom and her friends had, had learned that from watching their friends. And um it, it sort of was just in the air that I breathed. Suddenly, I think when you go through puberty, you, I also became acutely aware of my body. You know, it was suddenly doing all these things. That I was like, what is going on here? Like, why is hair growing from that bit of my body? And why do I smell like a, ba- like a kebab shop? And, you know, why am I raging with hormones? So I think all of that doesn't help, right? <laughs> I remember wearing a horizontal stripe tube dress to a disco, a school disco when I was nine or 10. And I developed early and it was this awareness. I just felt wrong yeah, next to my friends because I was suddenly, I mean, I'm not tall now, but then I was really tall mm. and already getting a bit of bosom and hips. And I just felt so mortified. I, you see, I don't actually remember personally I remember when my mum was like oh you know I think maybe we should sort of go to Marks and Spencer's and get you a bra and that was the moment I was like oh god you know I I because I think when you're when you are young you sort of like you say your body isn't something you're really thinking about you're just like using it to like do stuff um and then suddenly for me it was when someone else was pointing out like mm. you, you you're changing a bit now kind of thing 
I remember having, I mean, I'm a bit older than both of you, but I remember when I was about 11 or 12, like the thing to have was a global hypercolor t-shirt. And it was like a t-shirt. That's what was the brand. And it was a t-shirt that changed color with the heat. So if you were running around, but what happened was it was kind of embarrassing when you were a teenager because you'd suddenly it was like you know chain going bright pink at the armpits and it was like oh my god you know it wasn't as cool as because you'd sort of do a cartwheel and run around and play netball with your mates and watch as it changed but now it was like just from standing there you were like oh my god this is mortifying in the morning on the tube i'd have you know pits yeah i mean it's funny i mean i think they were very brief fashion thing and I say fashion but they were like a very brief thing those little crazes Heelys Mm. or or loom bands or whatever when in 1991 way back when (laughs) did you always enjoy fashion have you always kind of wanted that trend or that piece that everyone else was wearing Uh, me yeah I'm like, I, this is a podcast, so you can't see me right now. But I'm wearing like, kind of like, I'm like screwed wearing up a pair of jeggings. I mean, you know, you've given up the will to live when you're wearing jeggings. You've got a leopard print coat. I've got a leopard print coat. And I, yeah, I, I'm, I don't know, like, I, I, yes, I, obviously, because I was a woman and a girl and a teenager, I obviously wanted the things that everyone else had or that I was being told were the thing. Like, I'm, I'm trying to think like that global global hypercolor t-shirt or like a baby G watch or Puma, you know, trainers or, you know, and then, and I, and I very, of course, yes, I very much have been like that over the years. Like, I wish I could look good in this thing that is, you know, all over the catwalks or all over, you know, the shops. Um, I'm less like it now because I'm more comfortable in my body. Um, and because I know that that sort of stuff isn't, you know, it just it's a bit like I'm trying to I'm trying I'm not articulating myself very well. Like I love fashion. I love buying things. I love picking stuff. But I love having fun with it. Like I don't want to be I want I want to kind of create the fun with it. I don't want it to feel like it's dictating me because for so long I felt dictated to buy it and like, mm. oh, my body doesn't fit that type of thing or <clears throat> I don't think I look good in that in that look. And um and you know, after a while, I was a bit like, uh, and also as a as a larger lady, I mean, a grotesque size sixteen to eighteen. <laughs> That's me being sarcastic. Um, you know, fashion ha- has not always it it doesn't appear to have been made for people like me. So I, you know, I I, I pick and choose the bits I like of it, but but that's taken a long time. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I've kind of fought against it. And do you think representation is getting better now? Because we've got kind of middle models, as they're so called, who are well, what size ten? But yeah, <laughs> you know, there's, they're kind of a, a size twelve, a size ten, which is actually kind of smaller than the national average. So yeah. it's not middle in no. any in any real sense of the term. Um, we've also got plus size models. I mean, you've interviewed. Yeah, I mean, obviously representation is getting better, Mm. but I still think there's a long way to go. It's a bit like, I don't know, you know, it's it's like when I was growing up and I'm sure it was the same for you and for a lot of listeners, there was like one type of woman who was portrayed in the mainstream media and she was thin and she was white and she was pretty and she was straight and she was all of those things. And... That well, those kind of women are perfectly valid. The problem is, is that if you don't happen to be that woman, 
you feel like you somehow don't fit. And even if you are that woman, you'll think that you're not thin or pretty enough. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And that's why I think representation is so, so important because if you don't see you, you know, you think that you're a bit weird. Now, I I think, and going back to the Tess Holiday point, when Cosmopolitan chose to put her on the cover a few months ago, there was this kind of big hoo-ha in certain quarters that it was irresponsible to put Tess Holiday on the cover. Tess is like a size 26, as it is a severely underweight model. And you had people saying things like, I would I, I, I kind of waded into the row on Twitter, as you do. And um <clears throat> I always get really carried away when I get into this argument and so I like get a bit breathless, like I'm running because um, I get like, oh, um, and I and this woman said to me, I would be just as horrified if my daughter told me that she wanted to look like Tess Holiday as I would if she told me she wanted to look like Kate Moss. And I was like, OK, here's the thing. The whole point of putting Tess Holiday on the cover of a magazine is so that your daughter doesn't want to look like anyone. It's so that your daughter grows up wanting to look like herself, you know. And I think that's the point of representation. It's to stop girls and women and men from thinking that they have to be someone else and telling them that this is how this is bodies are different. They're meant to be like that, you know. We're not all thin, we're not all fat, we're not all this. We're all completely different. So that's okay. And that to me is why representation is so important. It's not about encouraging people to look a different way at all. That doesn't get it's about letting them feel comfortable in the way they look already. But even plus size models, mm. there is this, it's it's this perfected ideal of what plus size looks like. And, you know, they use padding to create the perfect hourglass shape. Yeah. Or Ashley Graham, I was on a shoot with her when I was younger, when I was an assistant. And she works out constantly. You know, yeah. she is so healthy and so active and constantly in the gym. And so, you know, she is Amazonian, yeah, I mean, be Tess Holiday is a really beautiful, beautiful, beautiful woman. But I mean, that's what we've always got to take that as a, with a pinch of salt. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think, you know, I, I think it's really important as well to make it clear that, that these are these are real women. But often the way they are presented to us is not real. Do you know what I mean? What I found inspiring wasn't that I look like Ashley Graham because I don't. You know, she's incredibly beautiful. She's tall. She's this perfect figure. But after that shoot, the following day, I went swimwear shopping. And that's something I hadn't done in years. And I had a holiday coming up. And I was like, yeah, I can go swimwear shopping. And, you know, I can I can do this. And it had felt like a, something I just didn't want to do. Mm. Um, and I not that I was enjoying it particularly, but it just seemed so silly having met her that I was putting so much importance on that one thing. You see, I'm listening to you talk, Charlie, and like the way you say, not that I, you know, the way you just said, like, this is such a thing we do. I do it too. Not that I particularly enjoyed swimwear shopping. It's like, <laughs> we have to, it's like, whatever we do, we have to take this sort of like, um, we're not allowed to take pleasure in our bodies. Do you know what I mean? So we always have to caveat, like put in a caveat, which is like, and I do it myself, you know. Um, it's it's like it's so normal, isn't it, Bethan? Like self-loathing is is the norm. And it's kind of it's really it was why it's quite radical to hear see people like you think like Chidera Aguru, the slum flower, who like Adidas are using in campaigns, who she's just like, Yeah, I'm great. I'm awesome. And people are like, what? You know, it shouldn't, that shouldn't actually be that radical. And we're all like, oh, like, for example, Charlie has a really beautiful dress on, right? Now, thank you. 
I have always noticed this thing that women do, and I do it, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but someone says to me, I really like your dress. I'd be like, oh, this old thing. I got it from like Primark, <laughs> even if I'd got it from Prada. I don't own anything from Prada, Prada, but you know, oh, and it makes my bingo wings look a bit. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I just gave you a compliment. Like it's just, just a compliment. Take it. Yeah. You don't have to take the compliment, then stamp on it, then set it on fire, then spit on it just to make sure that you've turned it into an insult. Just take the compliment. Do you know what I mean? So anyway, Charlie, I really like your dress. Thank you. I actually love this dress. <laughs> And I think I, I think I look pretty good in it. I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy with this. Dress. Owning the dress, <laughs> but, that, but I feel like we always like have to feel slightly apologetic, don't we? If it's we... so true, and I think we, yeah, we just feel bad about feeling good about ourselves mm. all the time, you know. Because even if sometimes you. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure there are people who are like, oh, maybe actually I can't, don't mind my legs, you know, whatever. But society just sort of, there's this sort of ingrained, I'm quite fascinated as to where that comes from. Like, you know, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier about this sort of like being, now you're a grown up, you know, your body is suddenly this kind of fraught political thing that you have to deal with. Um and so we've, you know, I'm sure there's, you know, whether there's people who hate their bodies, they love their bodies, or lots of people, I'm quite fascinated by this sort of thing of body neutrality, where you don't love it, you don't hate it, but you just kind of get through life. And, you know, you just actually don't think about it that much. And you just get on, you just get on with things. But, I think it's really, it's sometimes to take it to that quite neutral level. Yeah. Where you're like... You know, I I've got I've I've really become quite obsessed. <laughs> Nothing's ever going to be neutral. In no, my life. No. <laughs> I've become quite obsessed with like the the obsession <laughs> of uh, making people's women's skin look quote unquote perfect. Mm. Yeah. Like, here's the thing, guys. Everyone's skin is perfect because it's there and it's doing the job it's supposed to do. And perfect skin is not. Um, skin without pores. I saw an advert the other day for this face mask and this woman, it was like with these testimonials and this this one testimonial was like, my, uh, I used to have loads of pores. Now I use this thing and I have no pores. I'm like, no, darling, you have pores. You would die if you did if not you have, pores. have pores. Your face would like swell up like a grotesque water balloon <laughs> and because you couldn't regulate your body temperature, right? You would, you would literally, it's what, they're one of the many things that are keeping you alive right now. And I think when you take your body back to, as you say, the kind of neutral functional thing, it's like your body is supposed to look bumpy, textured, different. That's what bodies look like, you know, and they look like that for a purpose. And we're all supposed to look the way we do. Like I'm, a, I'm, I'm at the moment, I am writing a book for teenage girls and a lot of it is about body image. And one of the very early on chapters is about what a miracle we all are. The very fact we exist is miraculous, that our parents... <clears throat> had sex at the moment they did and not five seconds earlier or five seconds later and that sperm managed to get to that egg which in itself is like a whole mad biological process that is quite difficult because as teenagers were taught that if we so much as look at a boy we're going to get pregnant right um it's 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 geez out of all the I'm sorry to like gross everyone out, but but all the millions <laughs> of sperm that your father or biological father released that day the the one that met the egg met the egg and that 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 variation of chromosomes and dna and genetics led to you because 
a different one, you'd be a completely different person. So we are all miraculous for even existing. But then if we start to think about what our body does to keep us alive on a day-to-day basis, it's mind-blowing. So why, why do we sit here and go, oh, I'm going to pick bits of my body that I don't like apart? Like as if we have mm. to have a part of our body we hate. You know, you don't, do you? Fashion Unzipped, in association with Tag Heuer. Excellence, precision and elegance. Our timepieces are designed for those who love challenges. I mean, I always kind of like to think there's that thing, isn't there, of like, well, do men have this problem? And I know that a lot of men do have issues with body image. But I think with women, there's so many things that we kind of go through, aren't there? And like with our our periods and our boobs and... A birth, giving birth and all those things and I think that just kind of makes it even but like you say we should just be thinking oh my god that's incredible that I'm doing that not Pe- oh my god I'm really bloated periods or, are like yeah. absolutely awesome and this is what makes me laugh like I would do like a I'll call it them a well-known high street chemist um, about a year ago to go and buy some tampons and some sanitary towels. And I could not find, and I don't know about you, but I always get, I could not find them. And eventually I found them right at the back in the corner under a section called monthly care. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, who is this offending exactly? Like, what, because, because in the window, meanwhile, was this huge advert for Viagra you know, now available over the counter. And I'm like, oh, that's okay, is it? Do you know what I mean? But me, bleeding, menstruating every month, menstruation literally means monthly, I think, is something to be hidden at the back and kind of euphemistically called monthly care. And, and um, and you know, the, do you remember the curse and all of those things? And yeah. I get why you might think that, oh, because, you know, cramps, all of that stuff. But really, it's incredible. Yeah. We should celebrate periods. But it's advertising again, isn't it? You know, we've only just started in the last year, I think, to advertise periods without that blue liquid. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> it had oh to be God. blue just so I mean, no one could possibly think it was blood. I'm literally, Charlie, just texting myself blue liquid because <laughs> that needs to go back, back into the period bit of my fucking leave. Yeah, blue liquid. Wasn't it a shock when we got our periods and it was like the red? Yeah. <laughs> I thought, have I, have either of you seen Mary Queen of Scots' new film? Because there's no. a scene in that where she she gets up and she's got her nightdress on and there's a huge red patch to the back. And I was like, wow, that's amazing that they're, you know, I feel like You've seen a period cool. in a film. You've seen a period in, a, seen in a, a period film. in a period drama. Yeah, literally. <laughs> but also, like, I, I really feel passionately about this because it isn't, you know, also it's like, why do all tampon manufacturers, we've completely gone off topic. Yeah. <laughs> why do no sanitary protection manufacturers know how to spell the word light? Yes. It's L-I-T-E always, isn't <laughs> so it? Is it a problem with how women are packaged in the media? You know, we were talk- talking about advertising of periods, but also, Bethan, you said... You've spoken about having anorexia as a teenager, as a young teenager, and your parents stopped your Vogue subscription. Yeah. Was that the problem? Was that your trigger? Well, I mean, it's really hard to know, you know, you have a a mental illness and to be able to kind of analyse yourself even all these years later and having had um, counselling and things at the time. I kind of, because of the way I recovered, I, I actually don't think that the fact that I really liked fashion and, you know, maybe wanted to like be in fashion was anything to do with it. And so um, I was at an all girls school and um, just 
I think I was very perfectionist and um and and so yeah I developed anorexia and I had it for about four years and nothing was really helping and it was it was quite a kind of horrible time for our family and yeah it was really difficult and then um when I was 16 I left that school and that summer I did some work experience in London at like a fashion website and literally I I can't even explain how it was like a like a switch went and um I just suddenly like one evening I like came home and I just found myself like eating the cheesecake dessert that um I remember it so vividly because it was so shocking to me after all these years of like you know it would take me like honestly it would take me like 45 minutes to eat a tiny bowl of cereal you know because it was just like such a kind of controlled process and then to suddenly just be like oh I'm just gonna eat this cheesecake was it was just totally bonkers um and then yeah and and so for me fashion was actually it was like a way to it kind of like what Bryony was saying earlier it was a way to express myself and it was a way to be myself having been in an environment where like you literally had to like kneel down and your skirt had to touch this point on the ground and you couldn't wear any makeup and you couldn't do your hair in a certain way and like you know it was just totally devoid of kind of personality and your character and you can express yourself in any way so for me, actually, I felt that fashion was a, a saviour, but I do really understand why my doctor and my parents just wanted to get me away from any kind of fashion thing. No magazines, wasn't allowed to go shopping, anything like that. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because obviously eating disorders are far more complicated than I've been looking at pictures of thin women in magazines. I want to be, I want to look like that, you know, that. And that really undermines what is a really serious mental illness. Well, yeah, yeah. But I do think that, and I've worked this out, like in as having suffered, experienced bulim- well, suffered bulimia in my 20s, like what I realise is, is that when I'm starting to feel a depressive episode coming on as someone who's experienced mental illness, when I'm starting to, um, you know, get into that, that headspace, the first way it manifests itself is in a sort of self-loathing to my body. Oh God, look, I've got being, you know, all of that. And, you know, in a way it's not, it's, we are, the first way we learn to control uh, our set, you know, have any control over our lives is as toddlers when we can like throw the food on the floor and be like, no, I'm not eating that. That's the first way any of us learn, you know, how to have any control over our lives. So food is like a really inherently, you know, important thing. And it's also really hard to recover from because it's not like, I mean, like as speaking as someone who's gone into, has been in who's in recovery from alcoholism and drug addiction you know i don't have to drink alcohol to uh to live i don't have to take cocaine to live i don't have to you know be in pubs the whole time but if you have an eating disorder you have to you have to face for you have to eat to yeah live, you have you to know? relearn and, so every yeah. time you every time you have to sit down and have a meal so i think there's so many complex factors but i think we can certainly help so that the so that that illness it, the, the the easiest way for it to manifest itself is in food and the way you look outwardly. And I think that there are certainly steps we can take so that perhaps it doesn't manifest itself in that way, you know, and perhaps so 
women, girls, boys as well start to realize, oh, I feel this way. This isn't actually about my weight. It's not actually about the way I look. It's about the opposite. It's about Mm. something inside me. And then they can go and take the steps. And because if we start to let people know that everything, you know, that the way they look is, is the way they're supposed to look, let them see that there are many different, wonderful, glorious ways to be, then it's less likely to manifest itself in that way. And it's more likely that you kind of seek help and, you know, deal with it. But we're also sort of, (sighs) food has become, you know, it's really, you know, eating disorders are, um, you know, they are the extreme end of the spectrum. But... (laughs) You know, it's much the same way that schizophrenia is the scheme, but the the, the extreme um, end of spectrum. But disordered eating—I don't know about you, Beth, and I, I feel everyone, like it's everywhere. Yeah. Well, I've never had an eating disorder, but I didn't eat my lunch in year six because I had gotten my period and I thought I was much bigger than all my friends. So my, but it, it wasn't anything logical because I was a child. So then I'd get sweets after school and eat them on the way home. But I just, my mum would pack my lunch each day yeah. and I would throw it away. But and, but that's the, that was the only thing you had control over yeah. in your life. And when I was like 16 or 17, there was a couple of weeks where I just ate strawberries. And I did lose like a stone, but I would just go on these binge diets, but never really with any particular logic. I'd just read that, you know, so-and-so had gone on said diet and I could do it too. And would just yo-yo just constantly yeah. throughout it's my why, teens. It's why diet cult is so important that we do confront representation in the way we talk about women's bodies because we are not just kind of like figures on a scale that can be moved up and down willy-nilly. You know, that isn't, we should be really treasuring our bodies. And and I feel that like it's that whole thing of, of um, you know, it's as I said earlier, and as as you know, Bethan, it's really hard to escape from once you lay down that pattern of disordered eating. It's very, very difficult to get yourself out of it. And then it starts to control your life in a way, you know, and it may not be that you are refusing to eat or you're throw or you're or you're purging your food, but it may be that, you know, it's like that thing if you everyone, always there's always that remembrance yeah. or there's always that well, I know exactly what I could do right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. You know? or, or I'm a bad person because I've had some cake. It's like, you've had some cake, not some cyanide. Do you know what I mean? And like, you know, it's that all that talking to ourselves about good food and bad food. I mean, there is no good food or bad food in moderation. And, you know, it's just food. And and I think that it, that sort of self-flagellation and punishment for eating is, is really... Because we all, you know, all of us are going to eat emotionally. Like that's, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know about you, but I am totally down for losing myself in a, pu- a tub of Pringles and a pint of Ben and Jerry's, you know, and that's fine. Like the world is not going to stop spinning because you do it. And it, But what I hear and what I used to do so often is go, oh my God, like like I the other night, Sunday, Sunday night, I sat in my bed and I watched Sex Education, which I just love. And I... um. I ate a tub of, like a whole big tube of Pringles and a grab bag of Doritos. And I was like, I am the most disgusting person in the world. And then this little voice in my head went, Bryony, you have done far worse things in the bed over the years. Get over yourself. <laughs> this is an improvement. You ate some crisps and watched some Netflix. Like, well, look, the world's still spinning. Brexit's still not really happening. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. Has that shifted for you, becoming a mother and becoming a mother of a, a girl yeah. as well? Do you, Because I remember watching what my mother would eat and how mm. she would dress herself and 
But, yeah. And you learn all that behaviour. Yeah, I think every all of my all of my recovery and all of my yearning to get better has come from having a daughter, having my daughter, having my child, um, because I suddenly in quite sort of stark relief was like, oh my god, I don't want her to experience what I felt, and. So while you can only get better for yourself, there are certainly other motivating factors. And I don't want her like, but also I think we're really lucky. Like I feel incredibly lucky. Our generation exists in a time where we can talk about this stuff and there is access to this stuff. And people are questioning the way that, you know, the female body is presented to the mainstream media. You know, when my mom was a kid, there was this advert for some form of underwear and it was um, a pair. It was just a pair. And underneath it, it said, this is no shape for a girl. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? <laughs> so, like, really, you know, it's like this stuff is all... And I mean, this is what it does all tie into feminism. And yeah. I have, um, I found this book at a car beat sale a few years ago. It's called The Vogue. I think it's called The Vogue Beauty Bible or something. And it was published in the 70s. Um, or maybe it's the Vogue Diet Bible. I can't remember. Something <gasps> Can like imagine? that. But it has all these diets in it. And it's like the wine and egg diet. So you <laughs> have like... A, um, a, <laughs> to be fair, so that's just an, like a usual Tuesday. For breakfast, for a glass of white wine for lunch. And an egg and a glass of white wine for dinner. And it's all these different, like the celery and champagne diet and all of these. <laughs> to be fair, I these, mean, these sound a lot more fun than a lot of diets I've been on. <laughs> yeah, but let's not... Yeah, but, yeah, but no, but, I mean, but that sounds like my 20s. But I mean, yeah, imagine just the wine and... An egg yeah. diet. Okay. Like <laughs> my until I turn 32. <laughs> you write that one, didn't if you? You've just yeah. not been to the supermarket. But, um, I think what you're saying about like your daughter, I'm I'm really fascinated and excited and hopeful that this, like you say, that that generation, I think parents are so much more conscious now about mm. how they talk to their children and how they behave. And I mean, I don't know about, about you guys, but I I think from what we were talking about before, like I really remember it's terrifying how a child can have all these experiences. And even now I will, I remember like one thing someone said to me when I was seven, you know, or one thing that, and they probably don't remember it or, you know, your, or I mean, I remember me and my mum have spoken about how she went, she went to Weight Watchers um, (laughs) before, um, you know, when I was younger and she was like, Oh, you know, I wonder if that had an effect. I mean, who knows? Um, and obviously it's totally... Well, it probably did, but it's yeah. not. But that's not her fault. No, exa- exactly. I, yeah. Yeah, I'm really, I really hope that it is really different and that this generation, our life, just like, oh God, what's, what, what are you all worried about? You know, when they look back at us having conversations like this. I think and- that, that's really interesting. But that thing of like kids, you don't have to have had like a really traumatic upbringing to have a warped view of the world because yeah. kids have like really wild imaginations. That's the beauty of being a kid. So things, you know, parents can say things to them that, they will take completely the wrong way and may carry through exactly. to later in life. So you can't, you can't, you can't like, you you can't stop that from happening. What you can do is help them to kind of process that stuff. And I think there's a lot of fear, obviously, about social media and cyber bullying and all of that stuff. But I also think that what this, I think as you said, Beth, and I think parents are a lot more conscious. And I think that social media is also allowing us to see a a much greater variety of human being 
And I am pretty sure that in 10 years, we'll look back on this period of social media as like the Wild West. Like we like a bit like we look back now on when they had like adverts for smoking, like smoke, it makes you look cool. Do you know what I mean? Like Mark Zuckerberg is our Marlboro man. You know, I'm sure there will be moments where we go, I can't believe we let ourselves just be you know, free on the internet all day with no, re- you know, a bit like we have five a day, you know, yeah. you're recommended to have five a day. Maybe we recommended that you only have an hour of screen time or something. You know, like I'm sure that we are going to start navigating our way through this stuff and it isn't just going to be a free for all. And, you know, I have kind of faith that we, that we will find a way and to make the best out of it. You know, it isn't just like a wholly bad thing at all. But I think there's already starting to be that regulation. People already have apps that just turn off their social media when they've been on for an hour a day. And yeah. you know, people are trying to control that. Yeah. But it is, as you say, it is how much of the danger is in fashion magazines and how much is, you know, when I was 14, a friend of mine told me that when I tied my hair up, I looked like a boy. And I didn't tie my hair up, but it must have been about five years. And it's just the stupidest thing. Yeah. But you can be so susceptible. And I think when you're, like for Bethan and I writing about fashion, there is this recurring question that people kind of ask, do you not feel a bit guilty that you're kind of part of the problem Mm. and selling this ideal? And I do think it's getting better. But I, I, even when we're photographed wearing clothes in in the paper, um, which we are sometimes to show a kind of range of real women wearing something that's all well and good but you know I used to work at a magazine where we did the same thing but we were shooting three months before the magazine would come out so all that we had were samples and I'm not sample size and so I would it would be you know the XX team wears skirts and there would be a rail of 200 skirts and I would try on every single one and then the one that I could get onto my body Mm. would be the one I was photographed in and it's not it's not made me feel fantastic about no. myself. Mm. And those are things I've had to unlearn in my relationship with fashion. You don't have to be you don't have to be part of the problem. You can be part of the solution. Do you know what I mean? So for example, yeah. Bethan, when you wrote that incredibly powerful piece in the magazine about your experiences with anorexia, you know, it is things like being photographed in the telegraph instead of going oh god can you can you remove that can you just can you touch that up actually refusing you know all of us coming together and saying no we're not going to do that and lobbying big designers to you know sample size you know and 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 making this change and putting people like Tess Holiday on the cover of magazines and you know we're all part of the solution not the problem like there are things that like give us joy in our lives fashion and beauty and and I think like our mission kind of should should be to make that what fashion is yeah. known for well it's making you it know? feel more inclusive though I think because mm. even when I asked you Bryony you know how you feel about fashion you were almost apologetic mm. like oh you know well I I I like clothes but you know I'm wearing this snobby t-shirt and you know god don't I'm not. I'm not. T-shirts from Hush. But it's this. It is as you say. It's this kind of. I don't feel like people feel comfortable saying they're interested in fashion in case someone says, "But you're not fashionable." It's not that. It's no, no. I. Uh, the problem I have with it is because I do think. Like I, I think you're absolutely right, Bethan. I think it's got to be about you choosing the bits which make you feel good and not having it 
make you know like the you know like I don't want to read a piece where it's like this season it's all about this and you have to have this look and you have to you know like I don't I do think that that is problematic I do think it is I think I do think making women and men feel that they are not somehow fitting in because they're not wearing the latest fashions um is problematic I think it is problematic that a lot of labels don't go up to you know go beyond a size 14 um and you know and I and I and I, and I think it can be isolating you know I, got, I was in Harvey Nichols the other day and I managed to find like one dress from Love Shack Fancy which I managed to get oh over I love that brand I love it I've been coveting it, but yeah. when I go and I'm like, oh, I don't want to, and it's like, and I do think that's problematic because I'm not like, I'm not a grotesque. Do you know what I mean? I'm quite, I'm curvy, normal, and I, I do think we need to be catering for more people. I understand that perhaps not as many size eighteen women, women by Chanel as size eight, but maybe there's a reason they don't because it's not really. A, I mean, I know it is. I know Chanel will go up to size eighteen, but I think it's things like when you go into the shops, you know, none of it's on the rails. Like if I yeah. go into Zara, the, my, my ability to find something that's a large or an extra large is is you know is minimal. And it's like, don't hide this stuff out the back. That's why I have to ask for it and feel like some sort of leper. You know, I think we all have stuff. You know, clothes are great. I mean, we need to wear clothes or we'll be arrested. You know, they're <laughs> and be cold. <laughs> exactly they're fun you know and they are a brilliant way to express yourself but if in the buying of them you're made to feel like yourself is not the right self then there is a problem so and I, I think, think what, need- what baffles me as well is that you know the the average size in the UK is a size 16 now you know as much as anything, fashion is a business and if you want to make money you need to make things for the people who you know for as many people as possible and so if the average size is a 16 and you know and deaf and beyond that then you know you're missing out on a business opportunity there yeah. i can't you know. fit into the largest size trousers in zara Oh and my I'm, god! I mean, I could wear maybe one. I as never. Like, like I can. I can do dresses a in there. Or something. I, but but I'm a size twelve, and I've got a generous bottom. You know, I, I'm I'm okay with bottom. that. It's quite muscular, actually. I'm quite into it. It's a but, bottom. <laughs> it's really but, useful for various bits of bodily function. Bottoms. But I do think if I walk into Zara <laughs> as a size twelve and can't fit the largest pair of trousers, and feel a, and walk out feeling like, oh great, like. My bottom is so enormous that trousers aren't even made for me. Yeah. Then what? What is the average woman who's but a also, size sixteen feeling like? Also, I really wish we'd get less caught up on size as well, mm. because you know, in some, you know, as we all know, in some shops you can be a size this and another a size that. And I think it's just like I, I think once you stop thinking about the label on your dress, you know, I mean, sometimes I put on, I, I wear a size twenty, and no one cares, and like, no, no one knows what it says on your label. Yeah, and but no one I mean, this, oh my god, I'm a size sixteen. It's like yeah, I'm so like a lot of other people you're gorgeous get over it do you know what I mean <laughs> deal with it Bryony there's one thing we haven't spoken about the pink elephant in the room you've changed your hair colour you were a long time blonde and now pink I love your pink hair thanks is it um, pink I don't <laughs> no it is it's still pink it's got a really nice sort of peachy rose gold yes okay rose gold how how um, of the moment <laughs> um how did this come about? Because I know that's it's, so. If, yeah, well, to, it, well, look, well, I suppose it's was it on trend? I don't know. I just I kept seeing people. I've got a friend called Scarlett Curtis who wrote um, a feminist. She curated 
uh, feminists don't wear pink and other lies about. Yeah. And um, and she always has bright pink hair or some variation of pink hair. And there's also this girl on Instagram called Body Posy Panda, whose real name is Megan. It's not she wasn't christened Body Posy Panda, but I love her. But she that always a great has name. the, gr- the br- most brilliant hair colors. And I was like, I want to do that. Like I've been blonde. My ho- well, I haven't been blonde my whole life. That's not true. But I, I was, you know, I I dyed my hair blonde my whole life, and I just thought that was what I had to have it and I have this relationship with my hairdresser which is probably the most enduring relationship I've ever had in my life because I had alopecia when I was 18 so a lot of my hair fell out so I've always been a bit funny about my hair um and he is Daniel Galvin Jr and I was like I want to go pink he was like let's do it let's do it so he we got it we we went in and we spent eight hours doing it but it's kind of lasted I'm going back on Friday to get it done but I like it and it was that a cathartic experience or yeah. am I overthinking it? No, it was just no, it was a fun <laughs> experience. Again, it was like, oh, I couldn't have done it like five years ago. I would have been too self-conscious. And mm. now I'm just like, oh, well, that's a fun thing I can do. I can wear, I can have pink hair and wear it with like a, like a Bet um, Lynch leopard print coat from M&S and some jeggings. <laughs> it's and a, some glittery earrings. It's a really good colour, like... I would kind of think pink hair might be hard to wear, but it seems very flattering on your, like, it's it's a great colour against your skin. Yeah, people keep saying to me, oh, you look like you've been on holiday. Mm. I was like, I wish. But no, I like it. I'm going to stick with it. And it's not like, I'm not going to be like, oh no, now everyone's got purple hair. I'm going to change it. I, I don't, I'm not really, you know, I just, I just really like it. It's a bit, di- it's, I mean, it's, it's just a bit different. But it is that opening up of what's beautiful. Yeah, and not feeling, and, and not feeling feel. self-conscious about it. Like, no one's really looking. Like, that's the truth. No one's really looking at me. You know, I'm looking at you right now, I was happy, but I'm not thinking about in any great, you know, we all go around in our heads thinking that everyone is like micro-analyzing. I, I actually think that is like the one, if you had to like, just give someone one comforting thought, if anyone's kind of going through these problems, it's like nobody is thinking about you or your body or your personality as much as you are. But that's you the know. joy of getting <laughs> older, isn't it? The joy of getting older is realizing that I am my main focus because I'm self-involved. But we're all self-involved. Exactly, we're all self-involved. So no one else is going to look at me in the same detail that I look at myself, ever. Not even my mother would look at me in the same detail that I look at myself. And it's just a bit more... It's like this weight comes off when you just think, oh, nobody gives a shit. Everyone's too busy in their own head to notice what's going on. On, on yours or any, you know, and that's not, and I have a friend who says, sometimes, Bryony, we all feel like we're a piece of shit that the world revolves around. <laughs> and that's all we've got time for. If you've got any thoughts on today's conversation, email me at unzipped at telegraph.co.uk. And you can hear more from Bryony on her new Telegraph podcast, If I Can Do It. Next time, I'll be joined in the studio by Trini Woodall, fashion and beauty guru. So if you haven't subscribed, now's the time. Thanks for listening. Fashion Unzipped, in association with Tag Heuer, Swiss avant-garde since 1860. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed And it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.